0: Alright, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Network, broadcasting from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is... James Davis. Oh baby, football is right around the corner. We're so close, you can almost taste it. We're, I mean, I mean less than 24 hours away. I don't know when this is going to post. We're going to be, now we'll be think, 36 hours away, I think, by the time this podcast goes up somewhere in that range for the Thursday night game and then Sunday's games. Right around the corner. Feels like football never even left. And today we're going to talk cash game plays for FanDuel and DraftKings. Actually, before we get that, though, um, if you're listening to this, you probably already heard the news because this stuff happens lightning fast. Zeke, buddy, how how quick thoughts on the Zeke thing. Um, we can get it at this one out of the way first because it feels like this was the most pressing piece of news uh, leading into week one was the Ezekiel Elliott holdout or sort of quasi holdout but not really based on the contract <laughs> he got. But um you know where do we land now? We were we were saying we'd go all in on Pollard, obviously, but that's not the case anymore. Thoughts on the Z contract, real quick. Thoughts on what that means for Week One. It feels like I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts? I won't I won't. Get, I, won't I won't bury it here. What are your thoughts? My major. Right now, my, my major thoughts, time?
1: Doug, were complete disappointment because for some unknown reason I joined a league with our DFSR chatters, of a season long fantasy football league, and I grabbed Tony Pollard, and uh, I was really hoping to smash my opponent over the face with Tony Pollard. And like whatever he was a ninth round pick or something, and then I also just realized that what like what was the upside in signing up for this league with these people, but especially it's a fourteen team <laughs> league where like things can really go off the rails. And so yeah, like hopefully it could be fun or whatever. But there's no decent players available. So after you've drafted, you're pretty much got the team you've got. And uh, I know I had one job, which is to not come in dead last place. And now all I can see is a future where I'm just in last place, and they all just make fun of me for the rest of time. So. I'm, uh, I'm feeling kind of nervous so anyway my, my major reaction was disappointment at zeke for coming back not for him by the way disappointment at the cowboys how do you cave and give a running back in this day and age 90 million dollars over six years and 50 million guaranteed I, I just will never begin to understand it i don't know why we couldn't wait one week and just see what we had with tony pollard like if pollard goes out there and just has 110 yards on 20 carries they can't just come back to Zeke and be like, "Are you serious, bud? Do you want to come out here and play, or do you want to just like sit around? You're under contract for two years. Like, <laughs> like what's the plan here? You know?" Well, they um,
0: did give him the ball 400 times last year in 15 games, so it's not like his body's going to get worn down <laughs> over these next six years. I, like, I just don't even know. It's like the it seems like the single worst thing you can do in the NFL is just pay these running backs. I get that, like maybe Zeke's the best of the bunch. I don't know, but uh, these other teams don't seem to have a problem. Like, the Bills cut Shady McCoy, and. 30 seconds later the chief signed him and said that he's going to have reps <laughs> going on going this Sunday in their offense and even though they had damien williams there like it just seems like the, the there's some teams that just seem to get this practice and then there's cowboys they're like hey who wants six years of this running back you'll be good when you're 30
1: right <laughs> like all well, the good all the really a, good i think zeke he, well how old is he now he's like 20 24 he's 24, okay. He's 24, oh, he's 24. okay um yeah so he's pretty young but and I guess I guess I also understand the loyalty of paying someone who you've put through the ringer already like sure. they've really ground this guy into the ground and it's nice to give him money, I guess like after the fact for all of the hard work he's done for you. It's just not very wise. and yeah, like there's definitely a difference in talent among the top running backs. Anyone who would tell you otherwise is foolish and, and probably going too far the other way but it's just not the difference like the top running back, to the middle of the pack running back, it's just not the same difference as the top quarterback to the middle of the pack quarterback, or the top left tackle to the middle of the pack left tackle. So, um, it's just yeah, it's a crazy decision by the Cowboys. Lock them into mediocrity for the next five years, and here we go. Yeah, it's it's a wild world.
0: All right. Well, on that note, on the note of you, you know, throwing shade at your fantasy football team, and then us throwing shade at the Cowboys for signing Zeke. We are going to get into cash game plays for Week One here for the main slate of games. Now, typically, we went through our broadcast schedule last week, but I'm just going to just reiterate this real quick. So, typically, we broadcast we we podcast two to three times a week, with a Wednesday or Thursday podcast being cash game plays. This is after we've written the cash game. Article that goes up on the site for free that you can read for free on DailyFantasySportsRankings.com. This week we're going to do it a little differently. We're going to reverse it. This will be the time where we sort of, because typically before we write the article, James and I will discuss who we see as our top plays and who we kind of want to highlight. Because you know it's a free article, but we take it very seriously, and we want to give, we want to lend credence to our projection system, which we think is among the best in the business. So we'll go through that. We'll go through this process of, of you know, really dialing in uh, and giving you. Cash game plays that you can put into a lineup, even if you didn't sign up for our projection system. Today, we're going to go through what we're, our process of how we're going to decide who those plays are going to be. So we'll just do, for this will be the one week where we do it in reverse and try to try to maybe just dial in on each position about where we really think we can go for cash games in a way that we can actually fit guys into lineups. We're not going to just roll through the most expensive guys at every position that's disingenuous and intellectually dishonest to do that because you simply can't fit those guys into a cash game lineup. So we'll go position by position here, uh, try to decide on We might disagree on some of these guys. I, I have a feeling, especially at a couple positions, we might really disagree about where we're going, and then we'll see where we land. But let's start with quarterback. I it's seen, The way our system is currently pushing it, it kind of wants you to start, it kind of wants us to start, a quarterback in what I would call the upper middle tier. Uh, this would be players in the you know high six, mid to high six thousand range on DraftKings, sort of in the same range on FanDuel. Um, you know, well, excuse me, no, sorry, more in the seven thousand range on FanDuel. When we talk about cash games, we talk about safety, we will talk about hitting high floors. Is, are there, is there a guy or multiple guys that stand out to you here that we think we can highlight that? Will just again maintain a high floor for us in cash games this week?
1: Well, i one guy that we've gone back to many times, or one kind of philosophy that we've uh, taken when it comes to trying to gather up a high floor for our quarterbacks, is running quarterbacks. And so, if you're new to DFSR, uh, this might be a surprise to you. A lot of these guys don't have the reputation as having sort of the highest floor for regular fantasy purposes. Um, and I think that's sort of mistaken. You know, guys like Lamar Jackson, like Russell Wilson, um, even Cam Newton. I guess he's probably not running as much now as he used to be. But when you can sort of lock up five fantasy points just from the word go, that can really take you a, far, a long way. And I think this week, with both Jackson and Wilson, our system is sort of drawing them out simply because they also have great matchups. Like Lamar Jackson's going up against Miami, uh, who many people, even before this weekend's trades, were already picturing as being one of the worst teams in the league. And Baltimore, since Jackson joined, just had this sort of epic running attack where they just ground teams down. And uh, starting off against Miami in a game where they're favored, in a game where they're not going to have to ask Jackson to do a whole lot through the air, I think he especially is a super high floor option uh, going up against Miami. And, And I think Wilson is sort of like a more expensive, slightly less exciting version of the same thing against Cincinnati. But yeah, right now our system is drying out. Those two, you know, almost not that they're run first quarterbacks, well, Jackson probably is, uh, but those two guys that are going to get you a lot of value on your legs and then kind of supplement that through the air. Sure.
0: So one and, and, you know, maybe going to jump the gun a little bit on this, but one way to really target running games on a week to week basis is to look at Vegas lines and use Vegas lines to inform you on. Rushing attacks that are in premium positions because typically teams that get up ahead, use the run to basically run the game out. That's been a time-tested tradition, even with the, even with the advent of passing becoming more, more, more popular in the NFL teams that get up. will tend to, will tend to run uh, more than, will tend to run um, as the game goes on just to kind of get out of the game. Jackson actually f- kind of fits that mold in a weird way because he is basically a huge part of their running game. So last year, he was he took on, after week 11, Lamar Jackson took over the starters role. He was one of just the best rushers in the league, including running backs. He ran for over 500 yards just in that time. He was easily the highest running quarterback uh, of all of quarterbacks for the entire season. He ran for almost 700 yards uh, over the course of the season. So I, I'm with you. I think that just the floor that he gives you, in the points on the ground, just means so much, and especially considering that they're favorites here, and this is not a game where they're going to need to kind of go away from the plan like they maybe had to do in San Diego last year. I think for me, he's just the top guy from a cash game perspective, not a GBP perspective. I think the I think the ceiling is actually kind of low, all things considered, because I don't think he's going to end up piling it on. So I think I agree with you. I think, I think he'll probably be the first guy we write up. Um, when it's all said and done, just because the standard deviation is so was so low for him, the coefficient of variation was so low for him. After him, though, it's he's not hundred percent locked for me in cash games. I, I like the case you know the case for Wilson is interesting too. What do you make of though? They they really wanted to run the ball a ton last year, but not as much with him. They they used the running game a lot. He's also working it without really many wide receivers this year. Like Doug Baldwin's not going to play. Tyler Lockett's back. They have DK Metcalf this is uh, although he's and he's a rookie are you worried at all about the wilson thing just from a overall weapon standpoint because he is more of a much more of a he will run he ran for almost 400 yards last year and he completed about 66 percent of his passes over 3,000 yards but it's, i'm so worried about who like the options that he has to pass to that that's the kind of thing that's worrying me here for him
1: yeah i mean he's always kind of gotten by without a lot of options like i don't know who his great options that he used to have are that are now missing right like he just seems like he's always kind of doing it with these guys that are not really fantasy viable so i guess i wouldn't worry about that too much um yeah and and to your point i mean 400 yards over the course of a season is less than 30 yards a game right so it's not like he's not bringing it in the same way that jackson brings it necessarily and i think that's kind of why i was calling it out as you know perhaps a less exciting version of just making the lamar jackson play And so while our system is liking him, I think the increased price point, you know, going up 800 bucks and our system doesn't even think you're going to get more fantasy production in exchange for that. I don't think that that's going to be where we wind up for cash games this week.
0: What are your thoughts on Carson Wentz? Because Wentz is the guy our system really likes. I'm struggling to see it. I, this is Look, these are a numbers thing. Um, we, base it base, we have a, a ton of inputs that go into these projections just like every other projection system does. I think we dialed this in uh, pretty well over the last couple of years just to, from a correlation standpoint in terms of making sure the inputs really do correlate with fantasy value. And Wentz is actually a guy that I was a little surprised to see sort of popping into DraftKings lineup specifically. I don't know if it's just a price thing on him, um, or it's just that the matchup's so good, or their implied total is so high. Uh, but what do you make of seeing $5,700 Carson Wentz showing up? Not he's not in every lineup right now, but it is kind of mixing and matching some of these quarterbacks at times, and he's one of the guys. And I, I don't know. I just it's not making. I like when I see guys like Wilson show up. I I like when I see a guy like Lamar Jackson show up. And for some reason, Wentz just doesn't give me that same warm and fuzzy feeling when I see him popping into lineups.
1: Yeah, I I guess I don't totally know why. I mean, Wentz was really good last year. He completed 70% of his balls. Like, that's excellent. Um, He had 21 touchdowns against seven interceptions. And that was coming off a season in 2017 where he had 33 touchdowns against seven interceptions. Obviously, he's had some health concerns. Um, that's not really a problem for us, I don't think, going into Week One. I think once is a, a good quarterback, I think he's undervalued right now because he hasn't been, you know, part of that like absolute elite sort of Patrick Mahomes style tier. But in terms of a mid tier guy, uh, that should be involved in most of his team's scoring plays as well. I think it looks pretty good. I mean, you have the the dual threat now of Howard and Sanders there. I mean, Howard has not really given us anything to write home about. Miles Sanders sort of an unknown he did catch some balls out of the backfield in college so you know I, I think that Wentz with you know, Jeffrey Ertz I think there's just plenty of stuff going on there that you can play him I don't know what like what's what's so bad about Carson Wentz I guess is my question
0: I guess I, okay. So one thing I, I'm with you on the passing attack. They have Deshaun the Jackson too, so they have a downfield threat as well. They have a lot of weapons for him to go to. So I do like that part of it. I guess where I'm, I'm a little concerned on where to land is, you know, we, we we led this off by talking about we really liked rushing quarterbacks, and the, in 2017, before he tore the ACL, he had 300 yards rushing in 13 games, which is gonna get it's gonna start bordering bordering on. Like uh, not elite rushing numbers, but that's like that, and that would have finished him in the top ten ish in. in He's yeah, giving you last two and, and a half
1: fantasy points a game on the ground, sure.
0: Great, and that's and that's good. That that that's pretty good for, for a Russian quarterback. Um, you know maybe he even gets a little higher uh, down the stretch. The problem is when he came back last year, that really wasn't the case. He ran for under a hundred yards in in eleven games last season. So that the it seemed like the scrambling piece of his game. Really, just wasn't a part of it at all. So, I just, I I guess that's maybe part of it for me is that I'm just not sure where to land on the running arts because if he's, if they're worried about sending him out of the pocket because of the injury and they just want to keep him safe, and maybe that was the plan last year, and they went to just a more conservative style of overall offense when he was playing because they just were worried about the injury, then I would be. I'd be worried about maybe you know I don't know if we can project him back for 300 yards rushing again if after what he did last year. I think maybe that's part of the concern. Now we're just if we're just looking at a strictly a pocket passer. I'm just not sure I will, that's where I want to land for cash games. Does that make sense? Like is that is that a warranted um just quibble with with where we are cuz I I have a feeling maybe we are just maybe a little high on his rushing yards.
1: Yeah. Uh- I mean, if we're high on his rushing hurts, then we should take him down. I don't think you want to not play a guy simply because he's not a rushing quarterback, though, because right. like we've talked about many times, like just price is the other consideration, right? Like once can be worse than he was in the past, but still even be a better value now because his price has gone down. And I think you're talking about a $5,700 price tag. Like that's pretty affordable. And it just wouldn't shock me if you took his rushing away completely and he was still a solid play on that number.
0: Yeah, I think for I think on DraftKings for 300 more, I just prefer to go Lamar Jackson. Uh, I know that, I know 300 can is mean, not nothing. It's it's something you feel you want to try to find wiggle room somewhere. I feel like 300 is is the amount of wiggle room that you can find. Uh, just, just to be able to get a guy to feel a little bit better about it, I guess, and, and and that's where I land. I'm totally with you on the price. There's a price for every guy in the NFL, right? Like, if you if it would pay a dollar for a guy, then you could pay some kind of dollar for anybody. So it's not, it's not so much that. I guess I was just pointing to a specific concern I had him from a cash game perspective where if they have – if they're up in the game and they have a bunch of just running backs that they can just run downhill with, I, I'd i be worried about the, the floor isn't as high for him. And I and I recognize that he is just an awesome quarterback. Who else did I miss here? Those, those are the three guys that our system calling out. I think we'll probably end up writing up all three. Is there another guy? Like, do you think there's enough savings to pay up for a guy like Mahomes against Jacksonville? I mean, we saw the, the amount of consistency he had on a week-to-week basis last year was just absolutely ridiculous. There are some other guys that people are very high on, like Jameis going into this year. Maybe Cam in a high-scoring game. Any of these guys interest you? considering their price tags, or they all feel a little expensive?
1: No, I, yeah, I don't think that's going to come together for an expensive quarterback going into week one. Uh, and this is like some a theme that we'll get to as we kind of go through a position by position, but there aren't a, that many really great cheap value guys going into week one. Like we have a few of them and they're going to be mostly at the running back position, uh, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, and especially like a tight end, it's sort of hard to know where we can find any value this week. So I think given the lack of extreme value at other positions, it's going to be a tough week to pay up at quarterback. Like in the past, we've tended to only really pay up at quarterback when you just have that embarrassment of riches, like two $5,000 running backs that are both going to be getting the start unexpectedly this week, or, you know, the number one wide receiver goes down and it's very obvious that you have a $6,000 heir apparent just waiting to inherit all those throws. So I think given the lack of like, maybe if Tony Pollard was going this week uh, as the sole back in Dallas, we might be able to spend up a little bit more at quarterback. But even then, I, I still think we have more holes at other positions. And especially as we're trying to figure out how to get the highest floor possible on our scores at other positions. Like we can get a plenty high floor from on a points per dollar basis from these guys like Jackson or, or Wilson or whoever else or Carson Wentz on DraftKings. But as you start to pay down at other positions, you really start to increase your variance that much more. So, yeah, I, I just don't think it's the week to pay up at quarterback.
0: If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code Overtime. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats. Use the promo code Overtime. It's that easy. Get tickets, go to the game. You won't regret it. All right, let's move on to running backs because I think there's going to be some discussion here. and I do think that between this and wide receiver, we are going to... I, I think that we're going to probably land on one of those 3 quarterbacks backs we mentioned before. It's running back and wide receiver that I think there's going to be a little bit more discussion about where we end up landing it. Let me just caveat this by saying... Typically, the secret sauce, as I mentioned before with quarterbacks, is and maybe it's not so secret anymore, is the higher the line, the more that you want to take a rushing attack for safety, right? There's always gonna be GBP considerations that are gonna exist outside of what I'm talking about here from a safety perspective. Historically, typically home favorites, but you can go road favorites here as well. Seven I would say five and a half or higher, but really when you start pushing seven and higher in terms of the the spread. That's really what, where we want to look for running backs. The teams that exist in that category this week: Baltimore on the road against Miami, uh, Cleveland five and a half favorite at home against Tennessee, Philadelphia nine and a half point favorite at home against Washington, Chargers eight and a half uh, excuse me six and a half over Indiana, and then Seattle eight and a half and Dallas seven and a half both favored. So those are the those are the biggest just overall favorites. From those teams, any running backs stand out to you here? Do you think we're going to just kind of get off that policy this week cuz there's other guys that we can consider? Where do you think we where do you want to start here with running backs cuz I'm kind of all over the map uh, when I when I look at some of these names. By by the so way, think, all over the map in a good way cuz I think there's just a lot of very good options.
1: Yeah, so I think I'm starting with just the basic value guys that I'm looking at right now. Uh, one name that's jumping to the top of my list is Chris Carson. Uh, I think yep. this is like a really a really interesting situation where uh, in that 14-team league with, I don't want to inflate these people's egos very much, but with mostly smart players, like people did a nice job in their drafts by and large. Chris Carson went with the first pick in the third round of a 14-team league. So that was, you know, I I thought a pretty aggressive pick, but it at least reflects that people are very bullish on him uh, in terms of him being a three down back the goal line back etc and he's 6600 on fanduel in a great matchup against cincinnati i think you're going to see carson you know round out as like a 7,500 dollars back in the not too distant future and yeah right now our system is seeing that as a as a nearly uh criminal amount of value and that's that's actually not a range where we often find ourselves gr- grabbing running backs just because after a few weeks the reasonable running backs move up into that seventy five to eight thousand dollar range and then you can't play them anymore. And then the running backs by committee and the bums and so on, they wind up in like that fifty nine to sixty six hundred dollar range. So yeah, I think Carson right now it's not like a pure punt play or anything like that, but the value is so tremendous given that you're you get a clear number one in a in a game that should feature a lot of rushing um at that price point. So yeah, right now he's the clear top value guy that I'm seeing.
0: From, he took over as basically the main starter, the main starting running back for Seattle in week three last season. And if you look at the league from that point on, only Zeke, Saquon, and Todd Gurley were ahead of him in overall rushing yards in the season. He ranked fourth behind those guys from week three on from the time he took over. So he was just an elite volume running back, no doubt about it. I, I think that I'm with you. This one is not a close one for me. He's a lock for both both sides, FanDuel and DraftKings. It's just too good of a spot. They've shown the willingness to run him a lot. I know Rashad Penny is there. They have talked a little bit about putting Carson more in, uh, into the passing game. That's I'm still going to take a wait-and-see approach on that piece of it. But just the amount of carries they gave him last year, I don't see that changing. Uh, I think he's a lock. It's after him, I think, that we start asking real questions about who the other running backs are. I think we can knock Zeke off if we think that they're going to give him something like a pitch count. By the way, I just don't know why they call this a I've seen this. They label this a pitch count. It's called a carry count, like a snap count. Like, Why do people call it? Why do they use a different sport for this stupid thing? It makes no sense. Anyway, um, he's going to have a carry count or a snap count on him. So I think that we can knock him. I think we do not need to go on a Zeke limb here, even though he's in a tremendous spot. Any of those other teams that are favorites have running games that stand out to you? I'm, I'm not sure because I think Philly, no, right? Like Chargers, we can't trust it with the Melvin Gordon thing. Where else do you want to go here after, after the Carson thing, which I think we're probably both going to agree is a lock. I think here after this, I think there are a lot of guys I can consider and I would like a lot of them, but I, they have question marks as well.
1: Well, I think we can trust the Chargers if Gordon's out. Um, the Chargers aren't on the main slate here, so I don't think we need to worry about it, but... Um, if Eckler is the starter, I think you, we have a track record of what that should look like. So I actually think Eckler is probably a pretty solid play right now. But yeah, since he's not on the main slate, we don't need to worry about that too much. Oh no, they are on the main slate. Yeah, I'm just no, completely the, wrong the, about
0: the, that. No, no, they are on the main. They're in the main slate. They're the 4 yeah, was yeah. I,
1: I was looking for a SD and not LAC. All right, buddy, it's the beginning of football season. Um, so let, well, let's talk about Austin Eckler then. I mean, do you think that he's 6400 right now? That's cheaper than Carson We have a track record of him taking over the starting gig from Gordon. We're not going to be, like, surprised. We're not going to be sitting there waiting on Sunday to find out if Gordon is going to get plugged in as the starting running back or not, right? And I think most people believe that Gordon is going to miss at least the first week of the season here. Are you just down on Austin Eckler? Do you think he can't do it against a Colts team that now doesn't even have Andrew Luck and uh, that they should be in the position to run the ball quite a bit against?
0: Uh, it's just, it's just the fact that Justin Jackson is still there. They haven't really named him like the full, like he's not a three down back. I think we have the ability to just grab at least, I, I guess Carson, maybe I, I, the fact that we've seen Carson have such tremendous volume, even not necessarily as a three down back makes me feel better about that situation. I guess for cash games, I really don't, this is another thing that we kind of just try to live by is getting running backs that are on the field as much as possible for their teams. Now this the list of these guys is pretty short and that's what makes them typically very expensive. So we can start there that we're not gonna be able to always grab these guys. I'm just not sure Eckler I'm just not positive that's just not a full split with him and just him and Justin Jackson. I guess that's that's the only thing. I would be very uncomfortable going into week one, trusting that he was just gonna see seventy percent of the carry seventy percent of the usage in the offense or or higher or something like that. I think that's my biggest concern. I he's in a great spot and are we just positive he's going to see 75% of the snaps? Like, I, I just don't know that that that's my, is that a, it, yeah. So I think that's, I think from a speculation point of view, I, I just don't think I want to go there. Other guys that the system does seem to want to call out. It likes guys like Christian McCaffrey, um, he, they are they're slight favorite. No, excuse me. They're slight underdogs on the road in a huge total. Excuse me, at home, slight underdogs at home to the Rams in a huge total game of 50. I think that's the second or first the highest. It's the second highest uh, over under on the slate. What are your thoughts on paying up for a guy like McCaffrey? He's 8,900 on FanDuel. He is um, I think a tick more expensive on DraftKings. I'm just grabbing this real quick. Thoughts on him? He's an underdog here, but he also is like half a wide receiver as well. Or he's like almost like a full wide receiver at this point too. Does he offer enough? He has 8,800 on DraftKings. Does he offer enough safety in just the way they use him that we don't need to worry that he's not a favorite, but they just, you know, even if they're down, you know he's going to be on the field. And if they're up, he's going to be on the field as well. Is there enough safety in in his position knowing this could be something of a shootout as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think... You can't disparage McCaffrey's track record at all. Uh, I think he's worth every penny of the around $9,000 you're going to have to pay for him on a week-to-week basis. You know, The question, as always, when it comes to expensive players is, is this really the position where you're supposed to pay up? And we can't really make that determination until we look at the cheaper guys at other positions, too. I mean, I think given that we have guys like Chris Carson this week, uh given that we have even guys like duke johnson you know at 5400 you're seeing some really good value plays um at the running back position and sometimes when that happens the expensive plays get crowded out i mean there's another guy in this game actually that's far cheaper than mccaffrey i mean Gurley is 7600 in a game where he's the favorite and i know people were soured on Gurley after the end of the season last year when he was dealing uh with the knee issues but Gurley at 7600 in a game where he's a favorite with one of the highest totals on the slate. This guy was a slam dunk play at 9000 for weeks and weeks and weeks. Are we just supposed to play Gurley with the $1,300 savings if we're deciding between, between these two yeah, guys? This is, I'm just not so sure.
0: This is one of these other question marks, right? Because... Being, you can easily be a week late on Todd Gurley um and get destroyed on what cuz he just saw elite usage through and through as well and they could just go right back to the well with him I, they might say that their system can just support whatever guy they put back there i mean they ran CJ Anderson in the playoffs last year like um when Gurley was clearly still hurt the the the, the speculation is that he's healthy now i just get worried about what happened when he came back last year and if he's fully healthy and they they paid him buku bucks like he they, he needs to be on the field for them so He's just another one of these kind of question mark guys. And apologies, do Johnson feel better so about McCaffrey? About I'm misreading and I mean, get through Johnson. Let's just get your thoughts over on him. And Gurley's another Carrie one of these guys that's sniffing around our lineups right as well. There's lots is of guys. A guy Carson's is really the only 100 percent guy in lineups right now. Um, there's a bunch of guys that are. It's kind of toggling between paying up for guys like Gurley and McCaffrey, or taking someone again in the mid range like Carrie and Johnson, who would be speculating on a little bit that's going to become a three down back. In Detroit right now, like some of the news would suggest, is this a good enough spot that we can maybe think about taking a guy like like Kerryon Johnson here, or is that just a little too speculative?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not as bullish on Kerryon Johnson as many people are. I mean, I think they brought in C.J. Anderson as well, and you know we saw Anderson still being an effective back, uh, you know, in the playoffs when it was all on the line. You know, I think the Lions have also been one of these teams that have been just like with a gun to their head, just a die hard running back by committee team. We've been in so many situations in the past where it appeared as though they finally had their guy and now they were going to really settle in and this was going to be the number one and we've just never seen it happen. And Carryon Johnson last season, he had more than 20 touches in a game two times and that's just not what we're accustomed to seeing for guys that we want to consider to be elite running backs and you know, especially again, considering that you can get Chris Carson for cheaper than carry Hunt Johnson and Carson, I think rates to have a significantly higher volume. I don't know why this would be the direction I would want to lean. So yeah, Johnson, there is very interesting upside play. I think there's, you know, tremendous potential, like we saw some huge games out of him. And if he kind of paired the best of both of his games, like that huge uh, running game he had against Miami, where he had 158 yards on the ground, and then like the huge target game he had against Seattle, where he had eight targets, like you can see some big games down the pike for him on a week to week basis, though. Just don't be surprised if you get, you know, 12 rushing attempts and six targets for like 80 total yards, uh, some significant portion of the time. So I'm not nearly as high on Karrion Johnson as many people are.
0: And then the last guy I thought might be something like a must play when the first pricing first started coming out. now he's maybe getting X'd out because of just other value plays low on the board is Dalvin cook. Um, he looks like for every very much like he's just going to be an every down guy. He, their four point favorites against the Falcons at home this weekend is Dalvin cook, a guy that maybe just ends up in all of our lineups too. He, he kind of does fit the mold for me from a guy from like bell cow plus going to get some, going to do his work in the receiving game as well.
1: Yeah, I think cook is solid. Um, Again, I'm not sure that we're going to wind up in that mid-range at running back this week. And I think if I'm comparing him to, say, Todd Gurley at a similar price point, I personally would rather lean Gurley. Uh, we did see some evidence that the Vikings were willing to use Cook in a greater capacity than, say, like Carrion Johnson last season. Uh, but we definitely saw plenty of times where they weren't as well. So I, given that I know that if Gurley's out there, he's almost certainly going to be the main guy, just kind of going after it, and I don't have quite the same level of confidence on Cook I would prefer Gurley between those two. All right, let's roll into
0: wide receivers here. Uh, I'm all over the map here on where we're going to land with wide receivers. Just as a quick note, the top overall just projected guys, and I'll just call these guys the same. They're the level of talent guys, and that's Julio Jones, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., um, Jones, Odell Beckham Jr. I guess we'll throw and we'll throw Tyree Hill in there as well. It's just like the three the biggest talents in this main slate are all going to draw shadow coverage this week. Uh, Jones is going to get, uh, Xavier Rhodes. Tyreek Hill is going to get Jalen Ramsey and Beckham is going to get, Oh, I forget who he's going to get. I'll look that up in a second, but they're all going to draw shadow coverage. None of them look like they're in tremendous spots. Although P- pro football focus did have Xavier Rhodes ranked very low last year for a guy that used to be an elite cover corner. He wasn't even ranked in the top 20 cover corners. Any of these guys stand out to you as pay up sort of guys. Cause if we're going mid range or even cheap at running back at all, um, We might just end up with one of these guys in lineups just in terms of just rounding out salary let's talk about the these top tier guys and then we can roll into some of the cheaper
1: guys yeah i mean honestly i would sort of rather hope not Uh, julio jones a guy who can be all over the map from week to week basis not really where i would want to lock in a nice high floor going into week one uh odell beckham jr in a new situation i think you know, it's it's certainly an interesting big tournament play. I think Cleveland has every incentive to show off their new toy there. I think probably both he and Baker are finally are looking at each other like, hey, we each finally have a competent counterpart in this sort of equation. <laughs> so I think there's definitely the potential for big things. Um, and I suppose he would be the most attractive of this group to me. But again, wide receiver in a new situation. We've just seen so many examples of it not turning out to be Randy Moss and Tom Brady, right? So um So I would take a wait and see there. And Tyreek Hill, I mean, the nice thing about him is that he's relatively inexpensive, especially compared to the fantasy production we saw out of him last season. But again, another guy who's sort of pretty dependent upon the deep ball, not necessarily always grabbing the highest volume of targets and receptions, more just hoping that he turns those into huge plays. And while he and Mahomes had a historic connection last season, I'm just not so sure you can just keep going out there and just catching 50-yard bombs every week. So... It's certainly possible, but I don't think I would really want to settle in uh, and, and just start by building my lineup around any of those guys.
0: Yeah, Tyreek Kill's standard deviation last year was absolutely ridiculously higher than the rest of, of the top 20 groups of guys. Like top 20 guys, he was like, oh, his coefficient variation was over 0. 0.6. No one else was even above... 0. 0.52 or something like that. It was it was so high, but it was so far above, so inconsistent. You unless you have some other contextual thing like a, a whole wide receiver is out of the game. Tyreek Hill and he just dropped price because he's had three bad weeks in a row. Hill's a tough a tough putt for cash games. All right, so if we're, if we're not trusted, by the way, it was a Dory Jackson that was covering him and a very highly rated cornerback from Tennessee. Um, so that was uh, Odell Beckham Jr. So if we're not going to feel comfortable going there, where are we looking in the mid-range? Because I'm, I'm not feeling 100% awesome about any of these guys either.
1: Yeah, so there are a few options I view as like relatively high floor. Uh, one of them is a cheap option, and that's Dede Westbrook. Uh, Westbrook right now is showing up in a ton of our lineups. Uh, a guy who was targeted more than 100 times last season with a far less competent quarterback than Nick Foles. Um, he's someone I'm pretty bullish on for season-long fantasy as well. And I just think at a $5,900 price tag, if you just assume that he's going to get the same target share as he did in the past, um, and you know he can settle in around, say, eight targets a game, or like seven targets a game, that's not very many targets a game, but on a $5,900 price tag, that can usually be pretty significant. And yeah, I just think he's cheap. I think... When you're looking at places to pay down, uh, he brings like if you if you assume that he can't be any worse than he was last year with Blake Bortles, then there, there's nowhere to go but up, and I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up in that mid-seven-thousand-dollar sort of no man's land. Because uh, I do believe that he's the most talented wide receiver on this team, and I think Foles are just a better quarterback. So, yeah, I think Westbrook. While there's not a lot of safety at the position, I think he's safe enough that I'm ready to roll with it for Week One.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you on him as well. I think that's a guy we definitely wrote up right up. He was one of the guys that stood out to us in our just when prices first came out as being a value, and that really has nothing has gone to change that at all over the course of the preseason. I think he is going to be as close as they get to a volume guy um, that we see this season. A couple other guys. um, I'm wondering your thoughts quickly on Chris Godwin. I don't know how bullish to be on him. He's one of these. You know, preseason sort of coaching change, darlings. He was great when he was on the field last year when he was running out of the slot uh, in the offense. They are getting an offensive overhaul to some degree through Bruce Arians, and I, you know, there has been history of him his offense targeting guys out of the slot as well. Is he a guy that you could see running right out of the gate here? Um, because this would be more of a speculative play than we usually want to go, especially from a wide receiver. But it's not like a team switch. It looks like just like an overall philosophy switch. If, they, if these guys can be believed, and we know that there's the the tape is long of not being able to trust what NFL coaches say and then what happens on Sunday. But is Godwin – do you see Godwin as a guy that we end up writing up because it feels like everybody that writes season-long stuff wrote him
1: up over the offseason. <laughs> I like Godwin. I mean, in terms of the season-long prospects, for sure. I mean, not the least reason is because Mike Evans has sort of a, an uncertain history with getting banged up and missing games here and there. Uh, Godwin was great out of the slot last season. It's worth noting that Fitzpatrick also is one of the guys that targets receivers out of the slot more than any other quarterback. And I know that, you know, he Godwin obviously was with Winston a few times last year. He had that tremendous game um, on December 30th last year against Atlanta, which I think is actually incidentally what led a lot of this inspiration about offseason Godwin articles, because he caught six balls for 114 yards and two touchdowns in his last game in the season. And that being said, like, am I confident that a guy who basically had the same profile as D.D. Westbrook last season, including many games where he had, was targeted like three times and stuff like that. Uh, this guy was targeted 95 times total last season. Yeah, there's a coaching change. Is that going to instantly turn him into one of the top 30 receivers in the league? I don't know. You know, I don't know if what they're seeing in camp or anything like that. I think if, I, if I'm looking at just those two guys, I think that you have to say that Westbrook's situation has – Improved dramatically more than Godwin's has just because Godwin has a new coach, but Westbrook has a brand new quarterback. So, not that you have to pick between them, you know, they're different enough in price. And geez, you have to play three wide receivers. So, um, I don't think Godwin's unplayable or anything like that. But I think he is, I think people are more bullish on him based on murmuring than they are on actual on field production that we've seen so far.
0: And the final guy that had games of pretty high peaks and pretty low valleys. Uh, last season he had three games where he was targeted 13 times or more and then over the last four games He had eight targets uh, in three of the last five games as well as Kenny Galladay It looks like it's gonna be a pace-up matchup if If Arizona ends up playing the way people think they're gonna play in their new offense uh, the, the spread is pretty tight and he has seen times where he's been Stafford's main guy He's another guy that our system wants to be kind of bullish on. The Arizona secondary does look pretty weak here. Um, He right now is in top lineups on both sites. Would you trust Kenny Galladay at 6,900 on DraftKings? And then uh, it's a little closer on, uh, excuse me, 6,900 on FanDuel, a little closer on DraftKings at 6,300. He's not an every lineup kind of guy there. Uh, Do you think he's a guy we end up writing up?
1: Yeah, I like Galladay, I think, better than Godwin, simply because we saw towards the end of the season him fill in in this role you know when you kind of set aside the other pieces that Stafford had to choose from and he was basically left with Galladay. he was happy to throw to him eight plus times a game um you know it didn't always work out tremendously well like there are definitely eight targets three catch sort of games in there but given that they're pretty much the same offense and there just aren't a whole lot of tools here. I mean, is Danny Amendola going to step in and take all these targets? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think Galladay is definitely a pretty solid bet. And again, we just already have we already have more track record that there are those, like he had 15 targets in his last game of the season, right? Like given that that's a possibility, I think that's a pretty decent place to start for cash games for sure.
0: All right, let's finish it off with tight ends. Um, we've talked mostly in value ranges here. We haven't really talked about going high end with really any plays i guess mccaffrey was sort of the closest we got and maybe Gurley, the closest we got to feeling really good about a guy in what i would consider to be the upper tier especially if you if we're not interested in going julio jones against uh, the vikings if we're not going to write these guys up do we end up just writing up the expensive tight ends like kelsey and kittle is that the way to go i, I it feels like there might just be enough room to, to pay for some of these guys considering some of the other names we've thrown out there at the other positions
1: Yeah, and I think right now, picking between them, I would lean Kittle. I think we talked about this on our last podcast as well, but $500 cheaper than Kelsey, better matchup with Tampa Bay, um, actually projected for more points in our system this week, I think, as a result. So, yeah, I think Kittle's a fine play. Uh, Generally, throughout the season, we've hesitated to pay up at tight end, but one thing I don't know if you picked up on this as well, but there are a lot more – like, tight end pricing seems to have come up a little bit across the board with – you know, there's three tight ends over 7,000. Then you have these mid-range guys like Evan Ingram. Uh, in the past, like OJ Howard, 6,500. In the past, those guys would have been like fifty eight or 5,900. And, you know, we'd be put in a tougher position. And who knows, maybe it'll shake out that way as the season progresses. But at least early on, the way I would see lineups kind of coming together right now is like a mid-range quarterback, you're going to get one expensive running back or wide receiver, so Christian McCaffrey or Julio Jones or something like that. And then probably Kittle and you know kind of mid ranging out the rest of the lineup like and that's uh, that's pretty unusual for us you know but I think again part of that's because we don't have you know like an Evan Ingram for fifty four hundred to free up money elsewhere we don't have you know word that Duke Johnson will be the sole running back at fifty four hundred um, we just don't we don't have that super cheap value play so I think given that in the mid range and kind of slotting in a upper end tight end might be the, the play right now.
0: Yep, I, I think I agree. And, and you know, we saw last year that there was a group of tight ends. It was basically the the Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz group that was just so far above everybody else that it really was a, kind of just a joke um, and that you were just kind of looking around the scrap heap. Because typically you couldn't afford to play those guys unless you just had crazy values somewhere else. So you were just kind of grabbing around a tight end here or there maybe you play a couple of different ones and just kind of just hope to luck box your way into a touchdown I'm not sure I see him, not a lot of those guys anyway I, this week I think we maybe we'll see some ownership around Hunter Henry at 3,900 on the hope that he just re-enters that the Charger starting lineup they have some real offensive line issues going to the season but um, I think you might see if there's anyone that has high ownership among the cheaper group on DraftKings at least I do think it might be Hunter Henry at 3,900 otherwise I think you end up seeing people Pay up for the Kittles and Kelsey's of the world. I'm a little worried about Ertz with Goddard there, but um, I, I'm not really worried about the the Kittle and Kelsey group. And as always, we just kind of roll through some defensive plays. Um, we don't really cover that in the podcast as much. We'll cover that more on the game by game breakdown uh, that we'll put out on Friday. All right, we will be out with a cash game lineup coming uh, sometime tomorrow. So you can go check that out on dailyfantasysportsrankings.com. We'll distill some of the stuff that we talked about in today's podcast into uh, a quick and easy article that you can read that you'll be able to put cash game plays together with because a lot of these guys will just fit into lineups. And you can also have a chance to sign up for our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. That's optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings to get you started. If you're new to DFS or you've been around for a while, you go over there, you sign up daily dfsr.com slash deals, get you started on that. Uh, for and you can take a free seven-day trial that will take you through the first Sunday of NFL. It also includes premium chats. So you go in there with other DFSR members, like James was talking about. We, you know, we're a pretty tight community. We're doing fantasy leagues together. You can come over and join that, talk with everybody. You can just ask them what they like about the product, they'll be honest with you. And these are guys and gals that have been with us for the long haul. So DFSR.com slash deals. Go sign up over there. Buddy, we'll be back on Friday game by game and it through uh, every game on the main slate. Talk to you then.
1: Peace.